Welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you'll hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Julia Navarro of Wear Color. So welcome to the show, Julia. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, I design and sew all of my garments. I use sustainable materials and dead stock fabrics that I've kind of like, you know, hoarded or um, collected over the years. And I, you know, give it a new life. I'm really drawn to like really bright colors. Um, hence the brand. I want to um, encourage people to wear things regardless of any fashion rules or taboos or anything that, you know, people feel like they're like stuck within, like you can't wear white after Labor Day and, you know, your hips are too big to wear those pants, you know, stuff like that. I want people to just like wear something and with confidence. And I have a, my background is I've been self-taught sewing since, you know, for about 11 years and I worked in the fashion and beauty industry. So I've kind of just like landed here and I feel really excited to be bringing people some clothing and accessories from my little brain. <laughs> awesome. So fun. And I'm a big fan of color as well. So yeah, sometimes like you'll the... have something and I'm like, oh, I love that fabric. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, love it. Cool. So yeah, you said you have a little bit of like a background in the fashion and beauty industry. Kind of take us back to the beginning. Like how did you get into the industry and what is a little bit more of that background? Yeah, that's, it's funny because when people look at my resume, they're like, huh? Like, wait a minute, you're applying for what? Like, as I, (laughs) you know, I graduated high school and I went straight into beauty school and I was, you know, a hairdresser and makeup artist for 10 years, but all a while, all the while, like getting myself through school and, you know, my jobs in high school were retail, fashion retail, music retail. Um, But I never really had this like desire to, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do to be like to go to college and get an education and, you know, X, Y, Z. So I kind of just like figured it all out through my job. So I, you know, worked in retail for many, many years. And then, you know, in the beauty industry, the beauty industry was wonderful. It's just hit or miss, you know, cause it's all commission based. Mm-hmm. So I found myself finding additional jobs while doing hair. And within that, I met a lot of people in the, the St. Louis community. And that's how I landed my, um, retail position when I worked for Fogarty, which is a local St. Louis clothing company um, that closed a couple of years ago. But I kind of, when I started working with them, I connected with on a, in the fashion world, more on the um, retail world. So being a part of that kind of, you know, it literally kind of skyrocketed me into the world of um, fashion as opposed to just being in retail. So then I worked for them and I did a lot of like behind the scenes production things for them all while I was sewing for myself. So when they closed, it was like, okay, let's, let's see where this is going to take us. And so I, you know, literally like grabbed all of my, you know, skills and all the things that I've learned through the years. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do something on my own and I'm going to be my own boss and take a chance here. So that's kind of how it, that's kind of a little bit of the background. Nice, nice. So you said you kind of like grabbed all the skills you had picked up from uh, from all those experiences. Like, what were some of those things that you felt like 
um, from past jobs in retail or in fashion or, you know, doing hair that you kind of took with you and brought into this new brand where there are specific things that you're like, this is going to really help me with my business. I bet they oh, were. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. Without a doubt. I think the, the beauty industry taught me like the retention of customers and, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the magic of, um, you know, just, you know, building relationships with your customers. Retail was very much of like, you know, customer service and, you know, customers always right, but not always, you know, that kind of thing. And like, <laughs> mm-hmm. just, you know, people pleasing kind of thing in a way, like your customer. And then when I worked for Fogarty, it was very much of like business. Like I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people, some people don't even realize goes into a business, like, especially with production, like, you know, those back end things of um, the website and photo editing and inventory, you know, all of these things mm-hmm. that you people literally are like, don't even realize like so so many people are like what exactly do you do it's like (laughs) oh it's all stuff that you don't know really it's like behind the scenes stuff but and then you know I worked I I also worked for another St. Louis company and I did wholesale for them and there's that's a whole other thing is like Mm -hmm. managing relationships with your wholesale customers and profit margins and how much money you're spending and how much money you know your your um you know what you if you charge for your products which I am so glad I learned that because I was, that's huge. And I think that's a whole other, I think there should be a whole other podcast for that department, (laughs) that topic. Yeah. A lot of new brands get that wrong. So you really had like a leg up if you like understood profit margin and like cost, wholesale, retail, like the difference Mm -hmm. between all those. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that stuff. I love spreadsheets. I, I told my clients, I'm like, oh my gosh, give me all the spreadsheets you can. Like, I just love <laughs> like those, like, you know, crunching. I'm not a big math person, but I love, you know, organizing an inventory and, you know, putting in all the, punching it in like, okay, this is how much the fabric costs, the button, the packaging is this. Mm-hmm. You have to factor in all of those things. So you, when, when at the end of the day, after it's been purchased, where, where, do, where do you come in? Like, what about, you have to make your own paycheck. You have to pay your employees. You have to have your overhead. Like all of that stuff that is, some people just, it, they don't even think that it's, it just kind of like falls by the wayside, but it's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the difference between like making yourself a salary or not. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, we, sometimes people, you know, don't really realize how much work goes into being your own, you know, not necessarily your own boss, but just doing your own thing. And like, you know, there's times that we want to just like take a break, but we work every day, every day in and day out. Cause we have to, we're trying to make, you know, I think everyone kind of is just trying to, you know, make a living. And then, yeah, sometimes some of us are like, Oh shoot, I didn't sell anything this week. And then it's like, okay, how much do I spend? And then your head starts spinning. And then it's like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it's so rewarding. It is definitely. So yeah. yeah what made you kind of take the leap then into doing your own brand kind of knowing all of those things that go into it and was it something that you always wanted to do or was it just kind of like right timing and why not kind of thing right right I love that's such a great question it was a kind of a little bit of it was a little bit of both to be honest because right after Fogarty closed I I had the the drive and like the passion and all the knowledge I was like I'm gonna do my own thing I'm gonna do a Fogarty time like second you know I'm gonna do a redo or I'm gonna kind of pick up where they left off but then I Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I was freshly unemployed. So it's like, let's take a break. But I always knew I wanted to, you know, do my own thing. And it kind of was like, there was this weekend I spent with my sister, her family and my family. And it was just like, all this inspiration was just literally everywhere. Like everywhere we, we spent the weekend in like the small town, you know, in Missouri. And it was just literally like all this, ins- so much inspiration around me. And then my sister, who's like a really, really like BA, like get things done, motivator, cheerleader. She's like, you should just do it. Just go for it. And on the drive there to visit her, I was like, on the way back, excuse me, we had spent like, while we were there, we had spent all this time, like in all these cute little shops and everywhere I went, there was like color or color wheels. Like literally it was bizarre. It was, I felt like there was, you know, easels. There was, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love color. And I was like, oh, and you know, my sister wrote that poem for me called live out loud. And that's my motto. And then it was like, there's an OL in color out loud. And it just, it snowballed from there. So it was like perfect timing. I was unemployed. And I was like, why not? I, I know how to do this. Let's just do it. So it, it was kind of just, I think it was more timing and more like being surrounded by the people that, you know, really knew that like, okay, go for it. What do you got to lose? You know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was timing for me for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It, it's nice when like all that kind of like falls into the plate into place and yeah. it's like everything I've done has brought me here and now's the time. Um, oh, right. Oh, for sure. There's so, I mean, I think most of us are, are kind of led in that. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know many people. I mean, maybe like, you know, our parents, there's, a, you know, <laughs> like that go to high school, graduate, and that's what they do for the rest of their lives. I mean, we can, we're, we're like, you know, transient people. We want to see what we're capable of. And sometimes certain experiences lead us to interests that we never thought we would be into. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, you just never know where it can, where it can take you. And that's, what's so beautiful about it. And there's, there's no, um, limits, like nobody's stopping anybody. There's no boundaries. Like, even if you, I mean, there's so many businesses that start out with zero money that start out with a penny and they are like, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no limits. Just go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Start small and grow from there. Exactly. Exactly. So you mentioned kind of your motto is like, live out loud. And then obviously your brand is wear color. So how did, how does that can your, that as a motto and how you approach clothing and design and your brand, how does that feed into your brand and, and why did yeah. you, yeah. How does that, how does it influence the brand and kind of give us more background yeah. on that motto and what that means for you? Uh, so I love that. I love that question. Um, yeah, I, I've had the, like, we live out loud, you know, email and Instagram handle for personal for is, you know, probably gosh, 11, 10 years, as long as my daughter's old, you know, I, you know, that's how long it's been. My sister wrote a poem for me on my wedding day called live out loud. And it's kind of just been this thing that we've just all had, like, I'm loud. I dress <laughs> loud, but I'm not always dressing loud. And like, I live life to be like out loud. Um, mm-hmm. And people that know me kind of just know that that's kind of just like, okay, she's just a loud person. And not only just with my loud voice, but with like my loud, you know, I'm loud when it comes to just like anything, like I stand true. I just feel like it's just kind of resonates with me. Like, and I don't necessarily like not to be, I don't like to be like told, like, you know, silence. If you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if someone's like, oh, 
uh, you know, I could never, I could never work someplace that had a dress code. I could never, <laughs> you know, like if someone's like, oh, you have to cover your tattoos to work here. I wouldn't work there. Like, you know, we are who we are and like, this is who I am. Um, of course, within boundaries, I'm not going to be offensive, obviously, but I, mm-hmm. I, that's kind of been my motto, like live out loud, do it. And, and it kind of ties in with the whole white after Labor Day, like break all those rules because I've had so many people when I was a hairdresser in my chair that would say, oh, I, I just love your hair. It's so pretty. I wish my hair could look like that. And their face would sink in and all they would just like their energy just went sad. And I'm like, why are we, why are we, why, who says you can't wear hair, your hair like this? Or but bring in a picture like this girl is so pretty. I wish my hair looked like that. It's like, she is pretty. She does have pretty hair, but so do you. Like, how do you mm-hmm. want to wear your hair? And just, there's so much like negativity around that. And I just, I want to do everything in my power to, to, to break all those rules so people can live out loud, wear out loud, like be who you are, wear whatever, you know, wear whatever you mm-hmm. want. If mm-hmm. you want to wear a neon pink shirt on Christmas, heck yes, do it. <laughs> so then it inspires me as far as like the brand, like my silhouettes can some are more um, transitional. You can wear them through the season, any season, um, but they're in like colors that don't match or, you know, really bold patterns. But it's also hard because I source everything sustainably. So if I find a great fabric, I can usually only get one or two out of it. But mm-hmm. that's the premise of it. You're living out loud, you're wearing it out loud, and you're only going to probably be able to wear one or two because, it, you know, I'm not able to produce a bunch of them in the same color. So you're not, there's nobody, not many people are going to wear that. Nobody's going to have the same thing as you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's just, so it kind of just like all, you know, encompasses it all together of just, you know, and it's not just about color. I mean, I think color is kind of like a metaphor of, you know, our personalities, our confidence, who we are, you know, those kinds of things. Like it kind of the color part of the brand, like represents like the inner person Mm -hmm. and just wear your color and all sizes, everything. Cause if you wear it with confidence, it will look fantastic. If you're wearing it and you're like, don't feel good about it, then find something that you feel good about wearing or being or doing or whatever, and then be it out mm-hmm. loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I think it's so true that like confidence goes so far in just in, in making yourself feel beautiful. And then, you know, yeah. being that way to other people, like coming like if something feels like you and like expresses who you are and fits well, I mean, that's a piece of mm-hmm. it too, where you yeah. like, where you don't, you're not tugging at it or pulling at it or feeling like, Oh, the, like, I don't look good in this. Like it's usually cause the fit is bad. Um, but right. it's like once it fits and, and it's a style and, and colors that you feel confident in, mm-hmm. um, like that, that does wonders. Like you can see it on people's faces, you know, when they try on totally. something that, um, mm-hmm. I always tell my, my friends that, you know, are shopping for wedding dresses. Like if they send me pictures of trying on, I'm like, that's mm-hmm. the one you like the best, isn't it? And they're like, how'd you know? I was like, cause you're smiling. Like you could right. tell you that like, it feels like you. Um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause you're wearing it with joy. You're wearing it with this like sense of, you know, yeah. Accomplishment of who you are. You're like, this is it. I want, this is what I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's I like, this that. feels That's like so me cool. and I feel like really beautiful in this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's hard. I think a lot of us, 
it's hard to get there. And some of us, some of us may never really fully 100% get there where they're 100% comfortable in their own skin, but we're all doing the best that we can. But I mean, I know it's a, it's a really hard journey because I've been there before. I've been in that, those pits of like, uh, you know, no boys like me or I'm not cute or, you know, those kinds of things when I was, you know, a teenager and being surrounded and, you know, I can't even imagine what it's like now, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, social media. So that's another thing is like, you know, just maintaining that, like, you know, being who you are and being a positive influence, no matter what size, color, race, anything like just mm-hmm. feel good about yourself. And, you know, yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you use like different materials and like vintage materials in your collection. Um, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you source those and what is yeah. kind of your, your, like, what do you look for when you're trying to find these materials? Cause I'm, I, I get, I'm guessing they come from like a variety of different places. And so it might be a little bit of a treasure hunt to, to search oh, yeah. just the right thing. Oh, for sure. I mean, I feel like the, the fabric sourcing alone is a full-time job. Like whether I be going to the thrift stores once a week or going to estate sales every weekend, it's literally like you find them in the most random places. But I, I think, you know, I've definitely even gotten online. I've been, there's a, you know, a lo- there's like an app that you can, you know, it's kind of like an eBay, but it's like, you know, people kind of sell their stuff and, you know, it's kind of like a, the real, real kind of like mm-hmm. that, but it's like for everything. Anyway, I can't remember what the app is called. I'm so bad. Mercari. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. EBay, I've heard of it. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I also want to stay true to the sustainability and then keep it in the local. So like, you know, it's hard when, you know, if I find a really great thing on an, on the eBay, but it's like, you know, it's shipping from California. So then I, you know, but then, you know, you kind of have to like, weigh, weigh the pros and cons. Okay. I'm able to get like, you know, 25 yards of individual different fabric here. And then, but it's literally like a hunt. Yeah. And, um, I, there's a local designer here in St. Louis. She, um, she comes up with, and is, I don't know how she has these connections, but sometimes she gets donations of incredible fabric, Olivia from the rusty bolt. Hi, Olivia. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> She, um, every time I go to her studio, I leave with more fabric. She's like, because she has so much and she's got that eye that she knows what other people. And we kind of all have this community. Like if I come across something that is like in her niche, like, or she does quilt, um, quilt jackets. Mm-hmm. If I find a quilt, I'll send it to her. I'm like, do you want this? Would this fit you? So I think a lot of that is, you know, a lot of us like kind of like stick together and like, if you know, some I've had, you know, some people be like, Hey, I found a bunch of stuff that's perfect for you. I'm going to drop it off. <laughs> um, but most of it is estate sales, thrifting. I found this incredible piece. I think it's more of like a bedspread when I was in Palm Springs, you know, just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it takes a lot of time, but it's so much fun. Like when you come across it, you got to have it. But when I go to mm-hmm. the thrifting and estate sales, the first thing I go to is I go to, um, like the home goods part in the, in the thrift stores. And I look where like, you know, towels, bedding, a lot of bed sheets. I use a lot of sheets. I use sheets for my muslin for like my sampling. Mm-hmm. Cause you can usually get like a king size sheet for like $3. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, and some stuff actually ends up in production. I have a, I have some sheets that are fantastic. I love it. I live for it. And estate sales, a good thing, like a good, like little tip is when you're sourcing out estate sales, when you're looking at the estate sale app, there's a state sale app is a, key, a good key is I like to just search for sewing machine. So if, if, 
if mm-hmm. an estate sale has a sewing machine, pretty likely they're going to have thread and, and fabric. I mean, I've gotten, I don't think, I mean, I've even buy some of my, all my buttons are, you know, from those mm-hmm. kinds of places. So that's kind of like a good way to know, oh, that's a good estate sale to go to because some of them are awash. Sometimes you drive all the way out to that really good thrift store you love and then nothing, mm-hmm. yeah. which is, ah, can be exhausting. So it's similar to kind of, you know, the vintage resellers and, you know, that kind of like how they, they, they just are on the hunt for stuff. So, yeah, I could talk about fabric for, for days. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. A lot of my personal fabric stash is from estate sales and like buttons and zippers too. Like you can get zippers, yes. not always invisible zippers, but like regular zippers. Right. So I have true. estate I sales have... and garage sales, thrift store. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've definitely done the, like, if the sheet gets a hole in it, then it becomes yes. muslin <laughs> for me. For sure. Yeah. Because it's, it's, you can get so much. It's a ton. Mm-hmm. And like some of the vintage sheets are just have fantastic prints. Mm-hmm. So I can't pass those up. I've definitely, I have quite a few that I'm like, okay, I'm saving those for a specific garment, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So when you're shopping for fabrics, like you kind of have a design or like a piece in mind that you're looking to source for, or do you kind of just go and see like what fabrics you find and let that kind of like speak to what designs you make out of it? That's yeah. I actually, I, the fabric leads the way what I find as far as fabric. Um, I, so yeah, I don't usually have a design in mind when I'm looking for fabric. A lot of times, you know, fabric. I'm like, I, I need inspiration. What? Just go. What do you mean? So I literally, if I, if I see something that's like a really great textile, I'm like, this would make a wonderful jacket. I don't have a jacket in my new line or new, whatever. And then mm-hmm. I go and make a jacket. So the fabric speaks to me. I never go into looking for fabric with a design in mind. Um, I always come home from something or whenever I score something great, like I wasn't I didn't think that um, the terry cloth and the towel thing was something that I would ever land on, but I got this amazing vintage, like sculpted towel. It's so pretty. And I was like, God, this is the prettiest. This is so, I want to make this into a shirt. <laughs> and, and then I started sourcing terry cloth and I found this incredible lot of vintage terry material. It was a ton of it in these patterns that are just so beyond me because they're vintage and they're thrifted. There goes the church bell. Ah! <laughs> oh my gosh. I live by a church. Um, so then it just inspired me to design these really great tops out of terry cloth. So mm-hmm. now I'm like, I've beca- I kind of was like, am I becoming the terry cloth towel girl? <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine because people really love it. Um, and there are a lot of terry cloth and towels come in really fun patterns and bold colors. So it's perfect. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just, it, the fabric, the fabric dictates, it totally dictates it all. Like that's what leads the way. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And it's, you know, that's often and more, maybe I'm going to say traditional for lack of a better word, uh, Mm -hmm. or not fabric fashion companies. It's like, you might have a general idea of like, okay, I'm sourcing for fall and like, here's kind of the colors I'm looking for, but Right. Like you want to know the fabric first anyway, because it, it, you know, informs so much, you know, if you're working with Terry, if you're working with, you know, a cotton sheet, like, right. That's very different, but yeah. Totally. 
But I mean, you so seem true. to, because I know with the terry fabric, you've made both tanks and jackets out of it, which are like two uh-huh. di- completely different seasons out of a yeah. fabric that like you wouldn't traditionally, like it's thicker like fall, but uh-huh. I mean, I would think like terry is more like beach towel vibes, so summer to me. So it's right. like a little of both. So I can totally see like yeah. the fun, like you've had some, some fun, uh, different ideas with the different fabrics yeah thank you yeah I feel like um it's kind of in a way it's also my way of like not sitting on a bunch of fabric because like that terry cloth lot I got was it was a lot more than I anticipated to spend but it was a ton of fabric and it was worth it but my like my you know accountant dad comes in my brain like are you (laughs) making sure that you're spending wisely and I'm like okay that big fabric lot I and I got it kind of later in the summer I was like, okay, well, summer's almost over. I was able to make all these tops, but Terry is, like you said, is more like beachy summery vibe. I'm like, I got to make something with all these, this Terry cloth. I have to continue on this path because one, people like it. And two, I have so much of it. And I spent so much money on it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, jacket weather, let's do the jacket. So I think it's going to be one of those things. I mean, no lie. I still have some of this Terry cloth. Like that's how much <laughs> I got I'm like, okay, well, it's going to be one of those things where every time I do a collection or a web launch or a, an event, I'm going to have something that's going to have terry cloth or the towels mm-hmm. in it, in addition to other things, um, because it's it's definitely a, a, a part of my fabric stash that is never going to be depleted because I, <laughs> I will, you know, I can't pass it up when I find it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I like to transition, you know. Yeah. And I don't want, I mean, I have so much, you know, I think as us designers, I'm sure all of us, like we have like that niche, we just can't pass up. Like some people Mm -hmm. are vintage patterns. Some people are, you know, do are knitters. So they use like the vintage, like, you know, thread or whatever. But if I find a good fabric piece, um, I grab it for myself, but I don't want it to sit. I I, I usually end up sewing it right away. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't, you know, there's people, there's, there's, you know, fellow designers like Olivia has so much incredible textiles. She's so much. And it's just like, that inspires me so much. Cause I, when she gives me something new, I go home and I'm like, oh my God, I, I've never worked with, um, you know, chenille fabric. I don't know what to do with it, but I'm going to do this coat. Cause I got this really great fabric from this estate sale or whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 That's what I miss the most about like not doing much during this pandemic is I really want to yeah. go fabric shopping. You know, I, <laughs> I bought some stuff um, online from um, Fab Scrap in New York and uh-huh. then, you know, pick, picked up, you know, curbside pick up a few things from City Sewing Room, like to replenish my stash the past year and a half. But yeah. like going in and just like being inspired by all the fabric, like I missed that for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I will say that now that it's come back, I feel like, you know, I'm like, I went overboard. <laughs> like, oh my God, I need all the fabric. And I'm really lucky that um, I've, I'm able to kind of like the, it's weird because you think that because of the fabric I have, it's like really bright colors and sometimes people, but I'm, I'm able to, you know, still create garments and still have people like still kind of into it. I mean, it's hit or miss. Sometimes people, you'll make something and people won't be into it. And sometimes you'll be like, I didn't think anybody would like that, but okay, mm-hmm. great. That's, or like, oh, everyone's going to love this piece. It's going to be so great. Uh, not so much. So that's just part of the game of just like taking those risks and just 
making it, you know, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I miss, I just got back from the thrift store actually um, a couple, a couple hours ago, I went and looking for something nice. particular actually. But then I was like, okay, first thing I do, I go, I go straight to the back. I look at the, you know, the sheets, the towels, and they even have a section for, you know, fabric. And mm-hmm. you just, I found some good stuff, of course. <laughs> <laughs> my, my weakness is always wool. Like whenever I see like wool coating, like how oh, many, yeah. how much wool coating is too much? Like I'm, I'm literally only buying like for really? my own personal sewing, you know, I'm not, right. You know, I'm not, a, I don't have a brand of my own. So I'm like, for me, how many wool coats is too many? You know? <laughs> oh my God. That's really good to know because now that adds for me, like something in addition to kind of look for, like, you know, like, okay, if I see any wool, I know to pick it up for you and know that like <laughs> it's something that, you know, because. I, I even, I even got a bunch of wool from an estate sale and that's it was a few years ago. Um, and it was like, the, I made one jacket and I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can make it. It's, it's hard to work with. So that's really cool. It holds, it holds a nice press though. So that's, that's one thing I like about it is you yes. get like really tailored, nice coat. That's cozy, but like uh-huh. ironing, like a fabric that holds a nice press, like can cover a yeah. lot. Like it, it just looks so much more professional. That's so true. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So you mentioned kind of like that you're selling on your website and then, you know, looking at people's reactions to whether they like something or not. So where, where do you sell? Yeah. So I, um, I have the website, wewearcolor.com. And then, um, I also do, um, I've been doing a lot of local, uh, you know, pop-ups I've done, um, May's night market. I did the first one since the pandemic, which was incredible. Katie May, the May family is just amazing what they do for the community. Oh my God. I met so many amazing people. (laughs) So most lately I've been doing mostly pop-ups. I've been devoting all my energy to pop-ups. I took a couple, like the hot months off because it's hot outside. Yeah. (laughs) It's really hot to sit outside. It was brutal. I did one and I was like, I think this is going to be the last one until it's cool out, which it is. I have another one. I did one at Rise Coffee this weekend, which was amazing. I love them at Rise Coffee. Um, but yeah, I do the markets and then I have on the site and I also have been doing some like contract work for other, um, uh, companies like that might need like, you know, sewing or help with their website or things like that. So I kind of, am like, I'm dabbling into, you know, creating a, a space and a, um, service for people that want to, learn more about the fashion industry or do more for their, their business mm-hmm. that they may not want to, or like to do. So I'm, you know, I'm, in addition to selling the clothing that I make, um, I'm also, you know, open to clients to sell it like a service. Like if somebody really needs help with balancing their inventory, sourcing fabric, you know, a lot of those behind the scene things that not people really want to do. And I'm, I am even learning how to, you know, I'm dabbling more into learning more about how to do a tech pack. Um, yes which most of the tech back stuff I learned from you when we, <laughs> when you helped us out with Fogarty, I did, learned a lot of that, but yeah. So online and then the, um, the uh, local markets, I have one coming up in October. I'm going to do the loop road show, which is done by the girls at assassin vintage who are amazing. Nice. So yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where you can find me. Cool. And so yeah. like, what, what if some, you know, it, it sounds like you very much like your brand is expression of like what you like and what you wear. So has mm-hmm. it been, how has that been kind of like taking that to markets and like seeing other people's 
um, mm-hmm. reactions. Cause some, sometimes it's like what we can create can feel so personal and then sharing yeah. that. And like, you're, it's like, you're putting yourself out into the open for feedback mm-hmm. and that can be like very vulnerable. And I think difficult um, spot yeah. for some designers of, you for know, sure. kind of balancing the creative passion within like the, the business side, which it sounds like you're really yeah. good at the business side too. So you know, almost saying like, well, this sold really well, but I, I don't really love it. Whereas this thing that I love maybe didn't get as much, you know, yeah. like positive reaction. So uh-huh. how have, have you experienced that? And like, do you have kind of like tips for other designers of yeah. um, how you kind of balance those two things for your business? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I hadn't even really thought about it, but yeah, I think that, um, yeah, there's something that I just recently made and I, I did, I did, I know that it's something that I'm more creating for like my audience when it's something that I don't make one, I didn't make one for myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I know, like almost all of the stuff that I've made, I first make it in my size. And then if I love it, then I'll like, you know, duplicate it. But there's this one, the new piece that I just recently put on the site, um, the Haley top, I, I love it, but I haven't made one for myself, but it's been a really well received, like received. And mm-hmm. I think if it wasn't well received, I probably like, eh, I'm not really into it. Maybe I'll make a couple more, you know, we'll see. But um, I will say that when you get that really positive feedback, whether it's your favorite design or whether it's something that you are really, really wanting to make, like it's hard to like when you go to your next market or you, when you get a bunch of emails, like, Hey, are you going to release that one shirt that you did again? And it's hard Mm -hmm. to say no, when you know that it's lucrative and it's like paying off. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've definitely like, you know, when I first did the, I, when I first did these wire headbands, when I first did them, I hated making them, but they were one of my favorite things. Like once they were finished, Mm -hmm. but because I didn't really like making them, I mean, they sold really, they were really successful, but I, I decided to re retrain my thinking. I'm like, okay, these are really successful. People really like them. I don't like to make them. How can I, where can I find the balance? So I literally revisited it and I redesigned it. So it's easier, quicker, and more fun to make. I know that sounds like extra work, but it, no, it I paid mean, off in production. Me, you know? It can make a huge difference. You know, you can, yeah. you got to do things the long way if you want, you know, when you're making mm-hmm. one, but if you have to like make a hundred or something, or even 10 of something like you're yes. going to learn real quick that like any little thing you can do to make it easier, it faster back. is, you know, compounded. Yeah. Oh my God. Without a doubt. And I, you know, I was telling, you know, somebody today, I was like, gosh, now that I figured out a way to make them where I'm literally skipping a huge, you know, headache of a step, I can get so many more done quicker. And then it, it all kind of pays off. So I think that's something to really consider. I mean, of course, if you're making something that you're just not passionate about, that's, you know, it's, it's a hard blend, but, um, I definitely, I definitely lead by what my, um, my audience is kind of like telling me and like what I see is like how many, the response I get, I think I'm not, I mean, I'm not really, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not like inundated with response, but the response that I do get, I feel like it, inspires me and, and it kind of dictates what I do next so like the Terry tops the little sleeveless tops that I did were really well received so I was like okay I, I love them you guys love them they're so much fun to make keep going keep mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. you know and then okay well these didn't do so well this, this top didn't do so well oops sorry I was like okay that's no let's we don't need those you know so mm-hmm. I think it kind of I think you kind of just have to have find that balance 
between like what people love and what you enjoy making and hope that they kind of just marry each other. And if they don't, then, you know, figure it out. But I also, if, if nobody's buying it, but you love it, who cares? Still do it. (laughs) That's another thing. I mean, of course, like if you're trying to make a business and you, you know, if you're shuffing out all this money and nothing is coming back, you don't, don't take too many risks, but from a creative standpoint, if you're creating something and you're really, you stand by it, but nobody's really buying it, like switch your market, switch your gear. St. Louis might not be your market or wherever you live might not be, you know, maybe you need to go to trunk shows instead of a market, or maybe you need to go to wholesale, like find mm-hmm. your audience, find your audience. Yeah. And if you, yeah. that's once you find your people, you're, it skyrockets. Like it just makes, it makes you feel like you found a, like a place, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't all fit into every single mold. And, you know, that's, that's the beauty of this industry. And there are molds that we can fit into, but we're not going to, we're never going to fit into any mold perfectly. So mm-hmm. find a yeah. mold that, you know, you're comfortable in, I guess. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So did you already kind of know like where your like where your people were and like who your, who your customer market was when you started um, wear color or did it take a little bit to kind of find the right fit of who are my people and where do they hang out? Yeah. You know, I think I, I think I thought I knew. And then I real I thought I knew that it was a further reach because I was going off like um, my experience with, you know, the, the co- some of the companies I worked before, like I thought that my, my client and my, my people were here. And then mm-hmm. I kind of just like stayed grounded and I just kind of let it feel it out. And I realized, oh my gosh, my people are right in front of me that I don't mm-hmm. have to reach. They're literally the people that I've always had. They're, they're the people that I've known forever, or they're, you know, like, they're that one, that girl that's been following my personal Instagram and my sewing Instagram for years. And they're right there. I don't have, I thought that I had to, you know, reach out and I had to go out to New York or I had to, you know, work with people that are way out of my reach, you know, and really mm-hmm. they were literally just right in front of me. So I think that they were always there, but I didn't know that they were always there. Like, I just thought that, you know, I had to, you know, be what I wasn't if that makes mm-hmm. sense, which sounds very hypocritical. It's my motto, actually, but I think about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like, that's, that's <laughs> the opposite of what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. But I think that was like, that was my, I want to be successful part of my brain. Like, yeah. I want to be like the best I can be. And I want to make my parents proud. And I want to be a zillionaire. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be such a BA and be on the cover of Vogue. All those like aspirations. But in order to kind of, for me to get to that, I'd have to kind of fit into a different mold back to molds I would have Mm -hmm. to fit into a mold that I just don't fit into so it took me a minute to realize that and it was a good eye-opening I actually had a really great discussion with Olivia from Rusty Bolt and it was like she was like be you people would they want to see you like Mm -hmm. and it kind of just I was I think I was over designing I was over merchandising I was everything was just above and beyond because I wanted to like just be wow and now I'm like okay this is me hey mm-hmm. this is me you know like I just I kind of scaled it back and it feels a lot better so yeah sometimes we we think that you know it's going to go one way and it's you know you have to kind of like ground yourself and realize that it doesn't have to always be like that yeah so, yeah that yeah. is so that's so important and it kind of goes back to like what we we're talking about with the confidence thing like when mm-hmm. you're confident 
and you feel like, okay, I'm doing like what I'm doing in my business feels right. It's Mm -hmm. what I want. It fits with my values. It fits with what, you know, is going to give me the lifestyle that I'm looking for. Like, right. That confidence goes a long way. Like other people notice that when you're not kind of fighting what you really want just to to fit into whatever everyone else or the, or social media makes out success to be, you know, success is not the same for everybody. You know, even if you were on the cover of Vogue, it may not be what you actually in the end thought it would be, you know, like maybe Uh it would, Uh maybe that in itself is what it is, but you know, some of those success indicators or like a certain, you know, level of revenue or a certain size, yeah. you know, number of employees or amount certain, of followers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, they can be indicators of some, some things, you know, if those are your mm-hmm. goal, but like just reaching for that without knowing like, why is this important? And is it important to me? You know, right. Is, exactly. You know, it's probably not going to get you the success that like, ordinarily the metric you know is made out to be like oh you're successful if you know Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. is that really true for you and your business and your life and the people around you you know right absolutely so true It, it really yeah and I think that when I first kind of dove in it was like you know I had all these people that were rooting for me like you know my sister and my family and you know and it kind of became this like I think that there's like yeah, we, we, you know, how do we define success and where do we, you know, I think it's just staying true to who we are and, you know, but I think there was like a lot of pressure for me to like, and I think I put it on myself. Nobody put any pressure on me, but I put my own pressure. I was like, yes, we're always our worst enemy. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've had so many discussions with, you know, my people and my friends and like fellow colleagues and you know, sometimes we'll express like self-doubt, like not really intentionally, but we'll just like, oh, I just, I did this. I just don't think it's very cute. And the person will, you know, nine times out of 10, the response is, are you kidding me? I think it's amazing. You're doing Mm -hmm. so great. Like Mm -hmm. you just need that, that little push. And, you know, I mean, I think all of us have like our own little motivators, you know, like what's our real motivation for what, you know, what is the real reason you did it? And we all kind of have our own, it's like a collection of things. I do think for me, like there's this level of like, what can I do that can really make my parents proud? (laughs) You know, like what am Mm -hmm. I, what am I, you know, I feel like my parents would be proud of me even if I, you know, was a hand model or nothing against hand models. But if I did, even if I was like a telemarketer or if I was a trash man, they don't care. They want me to be happy, but there is this Mm -hmm. level of how can I do something that will make me feel really, really good and my parents proud. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think that what it comes down to is our own happiness is what should be our level of success. Like what we should gauge our success on. Like that's what's going to make us happy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So I want to go back to a little bit, like I know you've, um, you sew all the pieces yourself and you're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, how can you make things easier, more fun to make, but I also know that you've worked with a factory as well before. So yeah. I'm curious to know, um, kind of seeing, seeing both sides and then, you know, in previous jobs, obviously having experience working with factories and, and various manufacturing, um, partners, uh, what yeah. are some of the pros and cons of each and why did you land on, um, sewing your production? That's, I love that. Um, well, it, it, I think it, the pros and cons kind of, you know, 
vary depending on how lucky you are with what production company you land on. Um, I do outsource a couple of my garments with a factory in LA um, because they do impeccable um, knit um, like bodysuits and tops and their fabric is like second to none. They use, you know, vegetable dyed organic and working with them has been amazing. I tell them like what kind of silhouette I want. They literally just are like, okay, this is what we have. This is how many colors. And so mm-hmm. I ordered my first order with them and that was really successful and really wonderful. Since the pandemic, they unfortunately kind of shifted their, um, their prices a little bit. And since then, I also realized that I had more fun creating everything myself. So it kind of, that kind of fizzled out. And I realized I wanted to sew it myself. There's like something to be said about it. And I was doing smaller runs. I don't need to have you know 50 of one dress. I don't need to do anything on that scale. Like I said, cause I scaled things back. Um, mm-hmm. but with factories that, it, um, it's hard because some factories are like, yeah, we'll, we'll make it for you. Bring it in. Some factories are we need a tech pack and you need this, this, and that. And if you don't have this, this, and that, then we can do it for you, but this is how much it costs. Mm-hmm. And then it can get, and also faculty, fa- factories don't always, you know, they come and go, they open close. And unfortunately there's, you know, it, it can, it can fall through the cracks. You can find a really great one and it'll be wonderful. And then, you know, they'll switch up. They'll be like, Oh, we got new sewers and mm-hmm. we're doing a different training or we got new machines and things can you have to relinquish a lot of control when you work with the factory. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're just a designer and you don't sew and you want to do mass production and you want to do, you know, big runs or bigger runs, but you still want to keep it sustainable, then yeah, there's, there's definitely factories that can, you know, fill that need, but know that there's a lot that goes into it. There's more than just, Hey, I really want to make this dress. Can you do it? Like it's, it's a process and it can get really expensive. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's where like, you know, amazing talent, like you come in and, you know, you can create the the pattern, the tech pack and the stamp, you know, however, you know, what you can offer. Mm -hmm. And then people can take that to a factory and then they really just have to pay for the sewing. But I think from my experience with working with and working in a factory, um, there's, there's, you have no control. So if you tend to have a specific way you want your things sewn or made or anything like that, and you're really particular, just be prepared for opportunities of not necessarily disappointment, but you're going to, you're going to come across some things that are, might not meet your standards or you're waiting on because you have no control. The sewers could come down with COVID and your launch is pushed back three months or, Mm -hmm. But sometimes people have to use a factory. So that's okay, of course, because that's your, if you don't sew or whatever, you want to do it on a bigger scale. Just like be prepared that um, you have really no control and, you know, which is okay. Mm-hmm. But then you don't, but you don't want to settle. Like if you put it, if you're working with a factory and they make something and it doesn't meet your standards or if the, the stitch is wrong, you know, don't, don't settle, you know stand up for yourself and say, Hey, I don't like how this is whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. but it can get, it can get complicated. It can get really intimidating, but I think just maintaining like who you are and just being, you know, not backing down. And there's, you may not feel like there is, but there's actually quite a few sewing manufacturers and factories out there. So if one doesn't Mm -hmm. work, 
you'll, you, yeah, they're, they're out there. And I'm sure, you know, you know, you have many of those connections as well, but yeah, yeah it, it's hard and it's, it can get, yeah. Like I said, I, I think I have some like, you know, pent up mixed emotions about factory, <laughs> you know, I think working in one, I think was the big telltale of some things for me, but, um, working with them, I think is, can be a really rewarding experience as long as you accept that there's not a whole lot of control that you can, you can still maintain and you have to be, you have to have a voice. You cannot just sit back. Like you have to be like, okay, this doesn't work or this does work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind yeah. Of so, yeah. Yeah. I think with, um, with factories, like over, you know, there are factories that are amazing at what they do and are not, you know, you know, like, yes, you have to pay for somebody to do it because it's, it's skilled mm-hmm. work, but mm-hmm. are, you know, have reasonable prices, but working with the factory, like there is kind of the learning curve of getting started with them. Even if you have the pattern and the tech pack in a sample, like they need mm-hmm. to, you know, set the machinery at the right tension or, you know, make sure they have the right thread and colors available or just get right. used to working, like seeing how the fabric behaves and mm-hmm. sewing and pressing and, and cutting that yeah you know if you're only especially with fabric with you know dead stock or vintage fabrics where kind of everyone is different it Mm -hmm. you're not you're you aren't really able to make like use of that kind of production Mm -hmm. at scale because every piece is almost kind of like and like you're relearn that you have to kind of re-go through all those things with each new fabric or each new piece right you know, mm-hmm. but if you're doing 50, 100, 500, 5,000 of something, yeah. like you can take a couple samples to get it right and get the feel for it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, go, then you, you've got it all dialed in, but like, right. it is kind of overkill to spend that time and effort to dial it in when you're only, maybe only making five in that particular fabric yep. or something. So exactly. It's, it's all no, those that's... things to like keep in mind. And then mm-hmm. in terms of factory quality, I think it becomes mm-hmm. a little bit more hit or miss. Like you said, of like, are there, you know, there can be disappointments in how it's done or you don't have as much control. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, you, you know, it isn't under your, your roof. So you do have to kind of fit into their schedule and, you know, you're at yeah. the mercy of ship shipping times and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. But um, it, I feel like it's almost more tricky with small batch factories. I feel like they come and go more quickly than yeah. maybe bigger places. And right. I found, and this, this is, this is not a rule of thumb, but okay. I found in general that you have to be a little bit more, uh, particular with smaller batch factories because some of them, mm-hmm. if they're newer, um, and maybe a little bit inexperienced, they tend to take on projects that are a wide variety of fabrics and product types, which is mm-hmm. fine. But that means they're not spending all day every day on one type of fabric and one type of product to become an expert at that one thing. Right. Because um, they just so, want to just get the up and running. They just got to get going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. harder, I think, to find quality you can definitely find it, but it, it takes mm-hmm. a little bit kind of like weeding through and working with them. Um, yeah. if, if they're kind of a jack of all trades, as opposed to a specialist in one area, whereas like a factory, mm-hmm. 
So I always ask factories, like, what do you specialize in? Or, you know, what is the, what type of fabrics do you work with? Because they may not Mm -hmm. have like the machinery to properly like sew knits or something, or just the seamstresses don't have the experience with that. Like even Mm -hmm. I worked with a factory where the seamstresses, um, some of them were hired from like a men's tailoring, like suit factory. And like, that's Mm -hmm. highly complex sewing. Like that's way very complicated. And, but we were making t-shirts with them and Mm -hmm. you'd think, oh, a t-shirt's way easier, which it is, but like just the learning curve of a new type of fabric, different machines, like it took a while to like even though mm-hmm. the highly skilled seamstresses to get up to speed on that. So right, that's, that's one so thing true. that I think with finding mm-hmm. factories for anyone listening, who's like, Oh no, maybe I shouldn't work with a factory. Um, right. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to discourage, but yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just being very careful and selective about, you know, what mm-hmm. questions you ask and making sure that like you, you have sufficient time to like test and kind of get a new factory or new to you factory, like up to speed on Mm. your product and make sure that they do have the experience with that type of materials to do the quality work that you're expecting. So it it is a little bit of a, you know, try trial and error in some ways of finding the right fit for like you and your business in terms of whether you're sewing it, whether factory sewing it, whether you're hiring a seamstress, like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, It's so true. And also, you know, like you can't just find a, find a factory and say, okay, we're launching in a month. Mm-hmm. Like you, you got to go through quite a few steps before you're like, okay, this is my launch date because you're at the mercy of them. And, you know, sometimes it's another thing, launch dates, it's okay if they don't happen when you want them to. Like, I really want to kick off and I want to have it all. I want all my inventory by August and I want to launch in October, whatever. Like mm-hmm. they're, I mean, sometimes you meet them and sometimes you don't, and you just kind of have to just like be patient. And sometimes I'm not patient. I'm like, I want it now. <laughs> Why can't mm-hmm. I have it? I just need it. But, um, you just have to be patient and just, yeah, trust your gut. But there's some amazing factories out there and, you know, I don't want to discredit anything outside of the U S like there, I mean, there's some that are, you know, a lot of people are kind of finding a, a comfort level again, with work, working with comp- company or factories that are not in the U.S., like not necessarily like, you know, we're not talking about fast fashion, but there's some factories that still need us in, you know, these countries that are still trying to, you know, thrive. Like we don't want mm-hmm. to discredit some of them. And I know that, you know, it's, it, there's such a stigma on that and the sustainability and the ethical side, but um, I'm sure you probably, you might have some connections as far as where some of them are out there, but you know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't be afraid if you find a factory that you really love and it, you know, you're worried what people are going to think. Like if you, you trust your gut, you know, trust your gut, I think is important. So, yeah. 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 Again, again, with the confidence thing, (laughs) you have to know what's important, know what's important and, and be confident enough in, in who you are and what you, what your brand stands for and what you're looking for to wait Mm -hmm. for the right fit with the rest of your, your partners. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And don't, you know, don't settle and don't sacrifice a part of who you are and what you stand for. You know, it's something that I learned from Fogarty is that, you know, she, Chrissy really wanted to, this is a part of the business that I won't budge on. And she's like, this is who we are. And we will just, we're going to make it work no matter what, because I don't want to sacrifice my ethos. I don't want to sacrifice, you know, like, Mm -hmm. 
So we don't use plastic in our packaging, non-negotiable. It's who I am. It's what I stand for. That kind of thing. Like don't settle Mm -hmm. and don't change who you are and what you believe in because you feel like you have to. I mean, of course, if you need to cut costs, you got to trust your gut, just go with that, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of variables. (laughs) There are, there's go into it. There could be zillions of pod. There's zillions of podcasts on each category. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Indeed. Um. Yeah. Awesome. So what is next for wear color? Um, where next is, ah, that's such a great question because I'm doing a lot of, um, I'm doing a couple custom pieces and I'm working on getting my, some stuff in some locals in a local shop here. And I really want to branch out to like what I was talking about earlier about, you know, um, having people, you know, if they need help with their business, whether it be they need someone to do the actual sewing, I want to help out in that regard. If people need help with, you know, designing website, um, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I want to, I want to open up myself to bring, how can I help other businesses in addition to myself? And like, what have I, what I've learned, what, how can I help it with you? You know, like if, if people use Shopify, I could do Shopify with my eyes closed. Like, (laughs) let me help you with, you know, putting stuff on the site. I want to, you know, I kind of want to open those opportunities up, but, um, I really want to keep the trajectory of, you know, my, you know, color and sewing. And I devote pretty much four full days a week, if not seven, (laughs) (laughs) I devote quite a few days, like to strictly just sewing. And then I have one day that's like strictly, okay, this is where I'm going to design the new the new pattern or whatever, like mm-hmm. tweak this pattern. So it has a long sleeve, but, um, keep up with that, um, continue to, you know, so, and, um, yeah, just kind of get the word out there, continue, you know, furthermore and, um, yeah, take on some more clients and help out other businesses to, you know, get things launched for them. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy to think about, you know, like what's tomorrow going to hold, you know, but <laughs> yeah. In some uh, ways we don't know, but it's, it's, it's yeah. fun to like think about, you know, like ooh, yeah. what's, com- what's coming in the future. What are, what are what's we excited about? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And now I know I'm a lot of people are like, are you going to do a fall? Like my, you know, somebody asked me the other day, like, what's your fall? And I was like, oh gosh, oh shoot. <laughs> do I, oh gosh, it's fall. Okay. Well, I don't, I'm just going to just I launched jackets. I, I put some new things on the site this week. And I, I find that like doing, you know, seasonal collections can, for me doesn't really fit because mm-hmm. I'm like, wear it whenever you want. Of course, you know, don't wear, you know, don't, you're not going to want to wear a sleeveless, you know, tank top in, in December, but like, I'm kind of like, you know, where I'm just going to make something and put it on the site. So I don't really have like a method to my madness. I kind of just make something and then I tease it on Instagram. If people like it, then I'll launch it. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. So just kind of keep on that trajectory pretty much. Just keep sewing. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, so I have one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world, the clothes you design, what would it be? Um, one value to the world with the clothes I design. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I think I've kind of beaten it to, you know, beaten it flat, that whole mission of, or that whole, you know, thought process of, you know, um, wear it and be you. And, um, I think inspire other people and just 
gosh. Yeah. I, I think I would just say, um, you know, be wear whatever the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? Like wear yeah. whatever, whatever the hell you want, preferably, you know, locally sustainably owned businesses like myself would be great. <laughs> um, but if you feel like you, you know, want to support and you want to wear something and you might second guess it, but if you feel like it's something that you love, wear it and wear it out loud and, you know, be confident about it. And yeah, I think that about sums it up for me. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like, I think Mm -hmm. that that's like encompasses it it all. Like that's like when people, if someone's wearing my, if I see God, that would be amazing. We were talking about that earlier. Like if you see somebody out wearing something you've Mm -hmm. made, I've only seen that at the event, like the the pop-ups, like somebody's like, Oh, I bought this at your pop-up last time. And I'm at the pop-up this time. But (laughs) if I see someone wearing something I had, like, I want them to be wearing it. Like, and they're like looking at amazing and feeling amazing. And people are, you know, really like sensing that positive energy that they're giving off. So mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. I think that's, yeah. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. I feel like I, even though I know you, I, I yeah. learned some new things about your background and just uh, yeah. where you are in your business that I didn't know. And um, it's been super fun. So thanks for joining yeah. me today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Allison, for having me. It was, it was so much fun. I, I could talk for hours. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where can people find more about uh, Wear Color online? Uh, yes. Yeah, so the website is wewearcolor.com and you can go on Instagram is um, we wear, uh, excuse me, wear color out loud. I know it's tricky, but you know, with Instagram handles and all that kind of stuff, some are taken and so yeah, mm-hmm. wewearcolor.com mm-hmm. and then wear color out loud on Instagram. Perfect. I will link to those in the show notes. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.